<laughs> you? After preaching last week, I appreciate you taking another risk on me today. Uh, for a scripture reading this morning, I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and we'll read the first 11 verses this morning. And uh, when you have that, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV, and uh, uh, you can follow along in your translation as, as I read. And if you would like to, join me standing together as we read God's Word together. The Apostle Paul writing, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy or prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word this morning. You may be seated. Philip Yancey, who's a Christian author, uh, you may know of Philip uh, for, from some of the books he has written, and this book that I'm quoting from this morning is called The Church, Why Bother? It's quite a title. But he writes in that book, he cites uh, from a poem, and this is what the poem said. This is a big old ship, Bill. She creaks, she rocks, she rolls, and at times, she even wants to make you throw up. But she gets where she's going. Always has, always will, until the end of time. With you or without you. I'm sure you would agree with me, if you've been in the church for any length of time, that at times, the church can be messy. Oh, how we wish at times it would come in a, in a sealed box where all the rules were straightened out, where everything was both orderly and predictable at the same time. But we find, because it's made up of human beings, that uh, the opposite is true. Just when we think we've had it all figured out, the pitcher throws a curveball high and tight and knocks us to the ground. And knocks us right off our feet. And we're wondering, we ask ourselves the question, wow, what was that all about? You may find and may have found in your Christian experience that just when you think 
you have everything figured out. God puts us in another situation or in another circumstance where we are, uh, please excuse the term, forced to trust him again. Forced to lean upon him, and that's a good thing. That's what he wants us to do. Too often, though, we think that the church or the Christian life is according to some certain formula. If we follow the formula, then we'll be able to escape pain and difficulty in life. But God seems to do things a different way and according to a different agenda. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, some encouraging words for us. This is the verse that we're going to concentrate on this morning in our meditation of his scripture and the application of it to our life. Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There's two senses in which I want to look at this verses today. Personally, God has begun a good work in you as an individual. He has sown in your heart and in your life the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he will bring it to fruition. He will bring fruit out of that confession of faith that you have made in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a personal application for you and for me today. But also there is a corporate community application to us as the people of God, in this case known as the body of Jesus Christ at Thornhill Baptist Church. Here's the encouragement for us today. God is not done with us yet. We could come to some situations and approach some situations in life and just like uh, if you've been watching Hurricane Harvey on the news and how those waves just kept coming in and coming in and coming in, sometimes as a church member, as somebody who attends a church, sometimes being a member feels that way. We feel that these waves of opposition that come, and sometimes that opposition comes from even within the body itself. But I want to encourage you today with this this thought that God is not done with us yet. His program is ongoing. His, His plan for us is ongoing. His making us to be more what he wants us to be is happening every day. And he's still working in you and in me. God has not and will not abandon us. He has far too much invested in us to leave us where we are today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 talks about the fact that we have been redeemed by the blood or the death of Jesus Christ. The fact that we are here today cost God the life of his son. That means you are important to him. Don't be humble about that. You are so important to God that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you, my friend, for you. And he loves you far too much to leave you in the state you are today. He has a wonderful plan for your life and for our life together as the people of God. 
Now, as good uh, students of the Word of God, you, knew, you would know that the book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul. And it was uh, the history of it. If you go to Acts chapter 16, you'll see Paul uh, going to, this, to the town the, uh, of Philippi. And he goes, he enters the town. And uh, he had previously been praying about where God wanted him to go next. And two times, God said no to him. Uh, as far as where he, where he thought he ought to go. So that, that kind of teaches us that it's okay when God says no. It's okay. That just means he has another plan for you, right? And that's what, he hap- what happened with Paul. Uh, he, God had another plan for him. They go into the city, and as traditionally uh, they would do, they would go to a synagogue, and he began uh, preaching. In this case, instead of meeting in the synagogue, they met on the side of a river with a group of ladies who had gathered to pray. And as Paul met with, uh, you will know the name Lydia. Lydia was one of the ladies who was in that group, and he led her to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And uh, as Paul began to minister in that town, as Paul usually did, he created quite a stir. Uh, the, The town was never the same after Paul left as to when he got there. As Paul began to preach the gospel, uh, there was a, a, a slave girl who was indwelt by, by, by Satan, by a demon, who began to cause quite a ruckus. And uh, this lady be- uh, gained quite a bit of money for her owners. And so Paul did the very unpopular thing by casting out the demon from that lady. And that cut off all uh, income from the owners. Of course, the owners get, oh, Paul, we're so glad that you came to do that. We've been praying for that. No, they did not do that. They said, Paul, what are you doing? This is the the way that we make a living. And so they created a huge problem, and Paul and Silas ended up in prison. You know the story of Paul and the Philippian jailer. And as Paul and Silas were in jail, they did the right, the only thing that we would do as Baptists, and that would be instead of complaining, we would sing. And that's what they did. They, they were singing. And we, you know the story. There was an earthquake, and they escaped. And uh, the Philippian jailer, the story of him and his family coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And uh, Paul and uh, Silas were released from prison. So that's the context. And this church uh, evidently became very near and dear to the heart of the Apostle Paul. Uh, They gave, if you look at chapter 4 in uh, in this book, they gave quite generously to support the ministry of Paul. And so there was a very, very special relationship that developed between uh, Paul and the church at Philippi. Paul wanted them to know that God had a plan for them. And how important it is for you and for me to know and be convinced that God has a plan for us. Whoever you are, whatever your past has been, God has a sure future for you. For you individually and for you plural as a church. God has a plan. He has not left us as orphans. He has not abandoned his people. He has a plan for us. And in this verse of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, 
Paul gives us five expressions of hopeful thinking. Five expressions of hopeful thinking. If we were to park our life along these five things over the next few days and ask God to, to reveal his truth to us, to apply his truth in our lives, it would encourage us as we look towards the fall of what God wants us to do as a church as far as ministry is concerned, as the people we want to reach for Jesus, those we want to involve in discipleship or in freedom session or in children's ministry. Uh, God has a wonderful plan for first. So five expressions of biblical faith Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, the first expression is solid confidence. Paul says, I am sure of this. Now, there's not too many things that we're sure of in life anymore. There's a lot of uh, shaky ground as far as, oh, what's the future of, uh, uh, of politics and with those who are leading us? And we have a municipal uh, election coming up in the fall, and uh, will they extend the green line further north than they've already planned? Will the Calgary Flames finally get a, a, a real NHL hockey stadium or any of those type of things that keep us up at night? No, not really, not those things. But Paul says, I am sure of this. So the question is, as, as his readers read that, I'm sure of this, what are we sure of? What are you sure of today? What are the things that allow you to get up in the morning and to function and to do the things that God has called you to do? What are you sure of? Paul, later on in the book of Philippians in chapter 3, talks about the fact in verses 7 to 9, he says this, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things in order that I may gain Christ. Paul was sure of his relationship with Jesus Christ. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that if he were to die, that he would go immediately into the presence of Jesus. Do we have that same certainty in our lives today? And if we do, how are we building upon that certainty? He had that solid confidence. I'm sure, I know beyond a shadow of doubt today that, that I am a child of God. I, am no, I know that, that he has redeemed me by his blood. I am sure of this. As the church of Jesus Christ today, here at Thornhill, what is our confidence? What are we sure of? Now, if our confidence is on a person, if our confidence is in our building, that's shaky ground. Because we know that a person and a building are temporal, right? Three score and, and ten years, and then we fly away, the old hymn says. Life will be over. This building could come down in short order. So we better not put our confidence in those things. Yes, we better use them. We better be good stewards of them while we have them. But we better put our confidence in the things that we are absolutely sure of. Absolutely, we will stake our life on this. And that's what the Apostle Paul did. He had that sure confidence in the Lord, that sure confidence that, that, that God would not let him down. 
So our question is today, where is our confidence found? Where is your confidence found? The second expression of biblical faith is that our confidence is found in the Lord. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he, we can underline that word in this verse, he who began a good work in you. It's God who began the good work. It's not me. It's God who worked upon my spirit to bring me to faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, it was a decision that I made, but I only made that decision in response to the work of the Holy Spirit of God when he convicted me. In other words, he, he showed me my wrong. He showed me my destiny. He showed me that without Jesus Christ, I was lost and going to eternity without him. That he who began a good work. Our confidence is in the Lord. Now this just isn't a, a, a confidence that says, yeah, I know God, I, I can trust God. It's an active confidence. It's a day-by-day -day confidence in him. And I think for that reason, God puts us in situations where we have to trust him. Otherwise, we're so proud that we'd think it's about me. I would think it's about me. You would think it's about you. But God puts us in situations where the only credit can go to God. Deb and I had the privilege of serving the Lord as missionaries for 16 years in Latin America and Argentina, and then we taught at a Bible college in South Texas in the heavenly language of Espanol, of Spanish. And uh, one of the things that we learn really quick as missionaries is dependence on God. We had uh, uh, 23 churches who gave on a monthly basis, and we had 26 or 27 individuals who gave on a monthly basis to support, uh, to support the ministry that we had. But underlying it all was the prayer of God's people. We uh, came to one situation back in the early 90s, those of you who were around back in the early 90s, and I see if there may be a few of you who were here back in the early 90s, but the Canadian dollar was going wacko uh, and going really down. And uh, when you're on the mission field and your support is in Canadian dollars, uh, that really affects your support. And uh, we got to the point where our support was, got to the point where we were, were $1,000 monthly undersupported. And we were dependent upon the Lord big time in those days. But uh, we came home for a furlough, as it's known, for a time of rest and ministering to the churches to give a report to, uh, to our churches of what God had been doing through our lives. And the mission said, we want you to raise that $1,000 a month before we allow you to go back to the field. And uh, it was amazing to see. We didn't know where that money would come from. And in one year, God allowed us to, be, to raise that $1,000 a month. And within a year, we were back on, on the field again because of the faithfulness of God. Not because of who we were or because of who we are, but because of who God is and what he wanted to in us and through us. And all the glory and all the praise goes to him because it's, he, it's him who does the work. He wants willing vessels. 
He wants people to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I am willing to do it. Jim Elliott, the missionary who in the late 50s, he and some friends went to the, the, the jungle of Ecuador. You know the story where, where they went to present the gospel to Yaka Indians. And uh, there on that beach, uh, they lost their lives. But this is what Jim wrote in his journal. He said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I know that's a very well-known quote from Jim, but it's powerful. We want to invest in the things that we can see, the tangible things. We want to invest in a guaranteed investment plan. We don't want to invest in a a plan where we're not so certain we're going to get our money back from it. Jim Elliott lived his life in such a way that even by paying the ultimate price and laying down his life for the cause of the gospel, it was worth it. It was worth it. Did you know that today in that part of Ecuador, there are churches reproducing themselves in other people who are as a result of the ministry of Jim Elliott and his family? and those others who gave their life for Christ. See, our solid confidence is in the Lord, not in ourselves. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, tells us the importance of of faith. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says this, And without faith, It is impossible to please him. Impossible. That means, here's the the definition of impossible, not possible. (laughs) I studied four years in seminary to learn that. It's not possible to please God without faith, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So Paul says, I am sure of this. That's the first expression of biblical faith. The second expression of biblical faith is in the Lord and the character of who God is. And thirdly, the third expression of biblical faith is this. The work belongs to him. The work belongs to him. Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you He who began a good work. The work is not ours. Now, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 that we ought to be good stewards. And a good steward ought to be found faithful. So there ought to be some faithfulness on our part to the work that he has called us to do. But never should we confuse being a steward from being the owner. We have been given a gift by God to take care of this church, to take care of the bride of Christ, to uh, practice the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to practice among ourselves the great commandment that we would love one another as Christ has loved us. But it belongs to him. It belongs to him. Peter talks about 
in his epistle that the people of God are living stones built upon the, the, the confession of the apostles and the prophets. We are living stones. We are literally the bricks and mortar of the church, the people, not the real bricks and mortar, physical bricks and mortar, but we are the bricks and mortar that make the church together. And it belongs to him. We also need to remember that this thing called the church is in process. It's like you are still in process. I'm still in process. That God is not done with us yet, but we're still in process. And in that process, there's pain. There's difficulty. At times there's confusion. There's misunderstanding. But praise God, in the midst of that, there's still mission and there's still growth. God allows us to participate in those things. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple? You, my friend, are part of God's temple. And that God's spirit dwells in you. So when you're not here on Sunday morning, there's just a building. It's not the church. It's just a building. The church of Thornhill has scattered throughout Calgary and Alberta and wherever it is you go. The church of Jesus Christ, known as Thornhill, is made up of men and women who've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are the church. God has invested in you. And when we come together on the Lord's Day and we read his word and we sing his praises, the church is together celebrating who he is. And God's spirit dwells among us. There's a special sense in which we together corporately house the spirit of God. That he dwells among us as the people of God. The fourth expression of biblical faith that we see here that Paul says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. The idea is that the work is still under construction. God is still working with the bricks and the mortar, you and me. There's still a process in which God is making me and you what he wants us to be. And I don't know about you, but uh, I slip up every once in a while. I am not totally 100% all that God wants me to be yet. Are you? We recognize that in the body of Christ that we are not totally there yet. That's why we need the Lord and we need one another. I need you to speak the truth of the gospel into my life and I need to speak the gospel into your life. You see, we think the gospel is just for those who don't know Jesus Christ that we need to present the gospel to people and tell them that Jesus died for them and he loves them and they need to accept him as their Lord and Savior. But you know what? As a preacher, I need Jesus Christ every single day. Do you? There's not a day goes by that I don't fall on my knees and say, God, I need you today. I can't function without you. 
those challenges that I'm facing, those relationship challenges that I have, those people that are counting on me in my family and in my church, God, I really, I really need, without you, I'm nothing. I'm nothing, I need you. We tend at times to lose patience with one another at times. We get exhausted with each other. We want to hurry the process along. We want to do it today. But God, in his wisdom, is shaping us, conforming us, molding us into all that he wants us to be. And it is a process. It is a process. And the work is under construction. I don't know about you, but he has not stopped working in me. The lessons that I thought I knew in the past, I need to relearn today. And the final thing that we see in this passage of Scripture, the fifth expression of biblical faith is that God will bring it to completion. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God's timeline for his project is right on schedule. Yes, I get frustrated at times. You get frustrated at times. Yes, at times we want to hurry the project along. But what I'm learning in these days of my life is that those things that frustrate me, God wants to use them to help me put my confidence more in him and less in me. Because I realize that it is all about him, not about me. God does have a plan for us. And one wonderful day, at a time unknown to any human being, despite what you hear on some TV evangelist preachers, trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back, Jesus will return. Until then, we have a responsibility as to be faithful, right? To be faithful. To be faithful to the call to be a believer, to be faithful to the call to be a member of the local church who are striving together to reach this community for Jesus Christ, to help each other grow, to become what God wants us to be. So if these things are true, Philippians chapter one, verse six. Then there are four conclusions that we arrive at today. First of all, despite discouragements and frustrations that inevitably come our way and will come our way, we can trust God for what lies ahead. Yes? Amen. Secondly, if this is true, we can move forward because we have been given a divine assignment to make disciples. As far as I can read in the scriptures, God has not revoked that assignment. We are still under divine mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. 
That's the job of the local church that we have inherited from Jesus Christ. That is why we're still here. And we can move forward with that assignment. If these truths are actually true and we can count on them, the third thing that is true, then we can count on the resources of God to meet our every need. God has never let down his people when they walk sincerely and honestly with him. Never, never. And finally, if these things are true, then in all that we do, we can go with the assurance that we can live for the glory of God every day. Every day. Tomorrow morning, when you get up, you can say, God, this day is for your glory. Give me the strength to be what you want me to be. It is my prayer that God would uh, make Philippians 1.6 a reality in our lives that we would be what he has called us to be. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for who you are today. Thank you that you are our Lord and our Savior and that you have invested your good work in us, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've invested your gospel, sowing your gospel in the lives of the members at Thornhill. And it is my sincere, honest prayer that you would give them much fruit for their labor as they head into the fall and ask God that you would increase their number, increase their giving, increase their vision to reach this community, yea, this city, for the gospel of Jesus Christ and with the gospel of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. God, would you give them strength? Would you provide their every need? Uh, be with the leadership. Give them wisdom and vision and passion. Uh, give the members faithfulness as they serve according to the spiritual gifts and abilities that you have given to each and every one of them. Uh, may they reach friends and neighbors and colleagues with the gospel and uh, Help them in this community to, to shine as lights in the midst of a dark, dark generation. So, Father, we thank you for the confidence that we can have that he who be, has begun a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. And we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.